Hello, friends, and welcome to the Point of Hope Bible Study Podcast. My name is Steve, and this broadcast is brought to you by the Point of Hope Apostolic Church in Indianapolis, Indiana, where brighter days begin. Leading our study today is the senior pastor at Point of Hope, Mr. Stephen Gossage. Pastor, welcome. What can you teach us today? Thank you, Steve. Uh, We are in our series, Here is in Whom We Can Believe. Uh, The last two lessons I have given the uh, foundation on what it is and where we're coming from. Uh, I will just go ahead and and, uh, assume that our listeners already know that. We're going to go into lesson three. And this uh, Bible character is Mary. And the, the defining characteristic of her is that she was the willing one. Our lesson text is found in Luke's, Luke 1, 26-38. However, I'm only going to read verse 38. Setting the table here that the angel Gabriel had came to tell her that she was going to be the, uh, the mother of Jesus, the Christ child, the Messiah and the Savior. And Mary's response is this, Luke 1 and 38. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Our focus thought is that Mary was willing to submit to the will of God by becoming not only the mother of Jesus, obviously. She also assisted in his ministry and she received the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2. Fantastic life. Mary is actually one of my favorite Bible characters. Yep. And uh, in our lesson that we taught, we our outline was that she was submitted to the will of God, and that's a huge word. And I'm not talking about just by the spelling and what it is, but the, the depth and the impact of what submission is to the child of God. Uh, we referenced the Annunciation, how that she received it, how that she talked to the, the angel. She didn't vacillate. She didn't question. She just said, be it unto thee, be it unto me according to thy word, let it happen. She was chosen by God because obviously she had lived a life that God had noticed. and her. Chose her, yes. Yeah. And her response, as I've already mentioned, how that she just didn't think about what was coming her way by being willing. And there was a lot. There was a lot of mess that came mm-hmm. her way. Sure. The Bible doesn't characterize it too much, but, I mean, we can just assume. Especially a woman who's not married but on her way to be. Well, you you know, yeah. and, and uh, I'm sure, and I've mentioned in the past, I'm sure that uh, she got a lot of looks at the well. Okay, oh, yeah. here comes the virgin. You know, all those things. She dealt with that. Um, so our, our, I guess my intro, I was thinking today about our world of technology and that uh, we have, it's a communication surge. I guess what I'm trying to say is that everyone has a telephone sure. and that we can be reached at any time. From anywhere. From anywhere, no matter where we're at in the world. And as Christians, we need to make sure our spiritual network is secure from all of the influences that can produce a loss of communication. Mary was obviously, as I've mentioned, was living a life that pleased God in such a way that God chose her, and God saw that she was submitted to the will of God. And, I, and it's, that is not inherent in, in man's sinful nature to be submitted to anything. Sure. 
I mean, we buck when the boss gets on us. We buck when we have to do things that we're not supposed to do. And and uh, it's the same thing even with God. We, we're not submitted. We got to learn submission. Mary didn't need to learn it. She immediately jumped right into that. And so in us, is there is no innate natural desire to say yes to the Lord's will, even how easy or difficult it may be to carry out. But Mary was in the will of God at three places. Number one, let's be clear that servanthood also is a practice that runs contrary, as I said, to human nature. There's a natural me-first mantra that, that we have, especially even in this age. We're supportive of projects that doesn't cost us anything, right? Sure. Hey, great, that's great. Go build a a, uh, a huge arena downtown. Wait a minute, i got to pay taxes. Oh, no, hold on a second. <laughs> but if it didn't cost us, we'd say build the biggest and the best. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll wear the ribbon that says, I support your... <laughs> No, no, but I won't actually give you any money. You, you exactly right. <laughs> yeah, we want we and we've preached this before. We want the cross without the thorns. Ouch. Uh, but let something require our personal sacrifice or uh, any other the conflicting demands on our time and resources arise. Watch how we, in our humanness, say, mm, "But not Mary. Mary didn't even think to look down what was going to happen." Number one, she was espoused already. Now, we have to be clear that the espousal contract was just as valid and as lawful as the marriage contract. In other words, Joseph could have walked away from this at any time. And in fact, the Bible says something. Now, I don't know if it was in Joseph, but eventually he adopted the same spirit that Mary was because he had to deal with some junk as well. I mean... All these other men probably looking at him, oh, you're marrying a pregnant woman already. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Do you understand? And so, mm-hmm. but she was she was in the will of God in three places, and I want to spend a lot of time in there, but I can't. Uh, but her first place was at Cana, uh, where she had received it, and then, of course, that was the formative, formative years of Jesus. The Bible says in Luke 2 and 52, she did. Uh, uh, taught him in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. She taught him the ways of the world like any good mother. She would have had to have. She had to have. Many people think, well, he he was God. Yes, he was God, but he took on the robe of flesh for a reason. For number one, which is the biggest reason, is that he wanted to be able to say, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to have flesh and have no sin. So uh, his progress as a man, who he was, obviously Joseph bears some some great responsibility and uh, uh, kudos to that, but it was Mary. Because sure. we don't read about Joseph later on. He may have passed away. We, we just don't know. He wasn't at the cross. He wasn't at the cross. Mary was. Yeah. And the uh, Mary didn't attempt to do what she could not. She didn't shrink from doing what she could. Mm-hmm. She... Uh, she just simply just uh, built him up, and, and at Cana was the place to build on what I'm teaching was also the place of the the first miracle that Jesus did, uh, which was, and of course I'm skipping quite a bit because <laughs> we're, we're pressed for time, but the story goes how that they had went to the marriage supper in Cana. Mm-hmm. And so while they were there, uh, the story is is that 
obviously you bring out the new, the better wine in the beginning, let everybody get a little buzzed. A little sauced. Yeah, and then at the end, you bring out the terrible stuff because they don't know the difference. And it's expensive. Yeah. Right, and so the wine ran out, and they said, hey, we." Ha-, and I'm, of course I'm paraphrasing, we don't have any wine. And G or Mary immediately, immediately saw the opportunity to tell Jesus, hey, Jesus, they have no wine. And she began to tell those that were working there, whatever he, Jesus, tells you to do, you need to do it. Now, I want to bring this point to illustrate the junk that most likely Mary had to deal with. Why was she so responsive at that point and pushed Jesus? Was she just an overzealous mother? Eh, Some have preached that and taught that. I mean, and maybe. I don't think that that's probably wrong. But I think maybe she saw the opportunity at her earliest convenience so that she can be exonerated. A little bit of a, I told you. I told you. And she told him. And even Jesus said, woman, mine hour is not yet come. However, like a dutiful son, he did it. And he turned, as the story goes, the water into wine. She probably walked away and <laughs> felt like she was exonerated, but the scriptures bear out that sure. they didn't pay attention to Mary. They paid attention to Jesus. You know, I think what's interesting there, too, and I've always thought this was interesting, and I'm sure that you all just listened to Abraham and Sarah when we were talking about the theophany. Yes. And, you know, what we didn't really get into in that story was when they were going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and yes. he gave the story. He, he changed God's mind. Yes. You know, and here we have another instance where, I mean, we forget sometimes yes. we have the ability to have a, such a close relationship. Yes. That we we have a chance to maybe change his mind. Absolutely, and that's and that powerful. One, and if you can, I mean, it gives me chills even just talking about it. If we could harness just a tenth of that, just on our daily walk, right. just imagine, just imagine. No, absolutely, and and that'll preach all day long. That concept, what you just said, and it's it's really a parenthetical prom, promise across the whole Word of God, old oh, it's all and new. Oh yeah, and it's powerful. The second place that Mary was in the will of God and that she was willing was at Calvary, obviously. We know that in John 19, 25, it says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother. And there was only a few left. There's only one disciple, John, yeah. and it was Mary and uh, Mary Magdalene. Mm-hmm. And so they were the only three that were at the cross. And in fact, uh, a little side note, which I've always found moving, is that while Jesus was on the cross, bloodied and dying, literally, he gave away his mother to the disciple that he loved. He said, behold, mother, your son, son, behold, your mother. And he gave his mother away, which is fantastic. And yeah. I can't imagine, I, and you say goosebumps, I feel goosebumps on that, and that he loved his mother so much that while he was in the process of saving all of humanity over the history of the world, he was still concerned about he still Mary, his, his mother. Mom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, makes us look on the whole concept of being a mama's boy. I think Jesus <laughs> was a mama's boy. Oh yeah, but he wasn't no sissy. Let's no, be clear about all of that. And so, obviously, she was willing to go to Calvary and watch her son die because she knew that he was more than just her son. Then the third place was that she uh, also was at the tomb. That was her third place. Yeah. And following that tragic, heart-wrenching happening at Calvary, her son dying uh, on the cross, it further involved her in the 
the temporary internment of his body. She was a part of it because even he said in in uh, uh, in the temple in John two and nineteen, he said, "Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up." So unshakable was Mary's faith that after three days and nights, the morning of his resurrection, it found her somewhere around the tomb. We know that that uh, that was a hard thing. But we know the story. The tomb, they opened it up. The angel mentioned to him, he's not there. He's alive. Uh, Behold that he that was dead is alive forevermore, etc., so on. And uh, not to not to minimize that, obviously, but the, the point is, is about Mary right now. And Mary became part of the contingent of disciples while Jesus walked the earth and he met with Thomas and met with Peter and all these guys mm-hmm. and restrengthened their faith. And I think her faith was restrengthened as well, obviously. But Jesus was taken on a different role now, obviously. The flesh had died. Jesus was now walking and he had a mission. We know that he went and got the keys in hell and, and uh, all of that. But during that 40 days, obviously, I'm sure Mary was just probably staring at her her son and the love there. But here's what I want to get to, Steve, is that God, while he was ascending into heaven, he gave them one last, them being the disciples, one last instruction. He said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to tarry there till you be endued with power from on high, which was he was referencing the Holy Ghost and he talked about it in John chapter 14, mm-hmm. in my Father's house, or many mansions were not so. And then he talked about the Comforter. The Comforter can't come. Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Comforter cannot come while I'm here, but while I'm gone, it will come. You know, all of that. And so Mary, this is another willingness of Mary. Mary was willing to be a part of that contingent that went to the upper room in Jerusalem. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that they were praying. And the Bible says in Acts 1 through 4, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven mm-hmm. as of a rushing mighty wind. The Comforter, the Holy Ghost, had come. And do you know who was in that room? Yes, we know Peter. We know James, John, all the disciples. Sure. We know all of those that were walking with Jesus that were even unnamed. But Mary was one of them. There's no question. Mm-hmm. So I just, uh, if it offends, I don't, I hope I don't offend, but. Let's be clear, Mary received the Holy Ghost as well. Mary is flesh and blood as you and I. Yes. Uh, Mary is not, should not be deified. Mary became part of the New Testament church. Yes. Much like Peter. We give her reverence as we would a mother. Yes. But we don't need to take it beyond that. Right, absolutely. I th- you can read between sure. the lines. Well, and Jesus was really clear about where prayers are to go and, and right. things like that. And how many gods there were yes. and who was God. <laughs> and these men and women uh, that walked with him in this close relationship, they knew who Jesus was straight up. In fact, right. I don't want to get into all that, but there was even a question. Lord, show us the Father. Are you kidding me? Yeah, after all <laughs> after, I've done. <laughs> I'm walking with you, and uh, you say, show us the Father. Hello, yeah, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's one of those moments where I'm, I'm reading that. I, I can almost imagine the... <sighs> yeah, right. Here's your sign. <laughs> yeah. But in his sign, he throws lightning bolts. But yes. <laughs> anyways, Mary was willing to go to Jerusalem. She recognized her place, that she was no longer mother, but now that she was 
a female disciple, and yeah. she went and she heard and she felt and received and became part of this New Testament. Well, and the church. Great Commission was for her too. It's absolutely. They're all com- we're all commanded to go. Absolutely. In order for Mary to receive the greatest gift she would ever know, wasn't being the mother and having the womb that produced this. Christ child, the Savior, God of all of heaven wrapped in flesh. That's a mighty and powerful thing. But that wasn't the greatest thing that she experienced. It was the Holy Ghost. And she had to be present. And she did it, Steve, by her faith and her obedience in recognizing her placement. She was willing. Somebody needs to be willing. We need to be willing in this last and evil day. I always reference the culture that we live in, the day that we live in. We are living in the last days. And so this willingness, we need to jump in. We need to, to, to get off the sidelines and be willing to do what the Lord directs us to do. And much of that, we can look to Mary and her life and say, hey, she was willing and didn't think about the repercussions. So should I just faithfully trust and believe and walk with God. The Bible says that he entrusts this, and I am paraphrasing, to faithful men. This word doesn't come on, on people that are unfaithful. He, he ministers to these people, and he tells them the right time on when to uh, respond. And, and we've got to respond. So close scrutiny diminishes this aura surrounding people of renown when we look at them and begin to consider who they are. And obviously the public persona, it melts away under the light of human flaws and frailties. Let's not get it twisted. Mary was human. And I've referenced that she wanted to be proven right, that she was exactly who she said she was. And I don't know, Steve, if she ever was proven I really don't know. Some could say, well, that's sad. Listen, she didn't have a sad story. No. (laughs) No. Uh, But when we consider her willing heart and being chosen by God to carry on and then rear the Christ child, he is challenged to examine his own answers to God's commandments. I believe Mary's quick response to God's messenger challenges us to practice saying yes to God more readily and regularly. In other words, not that the angel speaks to us um, individually. I wish I'd love to have that. That would be nice. Uh, But he doesn't. But we need to get in the idea of always saying yes and not yes but. I might, but maybe. Or yes if, or yes. So her faithful service to God throughout his whole life and even death provided us a ready example for the Christian today. And her presence at the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2, it established a permanent pattern for multitudes to follow. And I referenced this already. If Mary received the Holy Ghost, if Peter, who was in the upper room as well, received the Holy Ghost, later on, if Paul received the Holy Ghost, Acts chapter 2 and 39 that references this promises unto you and to your children mm-hmm. and to all them that are far off, which means you faithful listener, that means you. You can be filled 
with the Holy Ghost. You can be filled with the Spirit of God in your life. And with that, it's not just a beneficial thing and it's a blessing. Yes, 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 yes. But it is the best life to live. And you know what is the precursor? The the precedent setting aspect is that we gotta be willing. We gotta we gotta get in the word. I'm gonna get I'm gonna Throw something on you real quick, okay? I'm ready to do it. I love this line. Before you can have a revival, you need to have a revival. And when we're willing to get into the Word and let a, a ready teacher to teach us, we can see that the Holy Ghost is still for everybody, and it's still happening today. People are being filled with the Holy Ghost. You that are listening right now, you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. Maybe you've backslidden. Maybe you've walked away from God. I'm going to ask you something right now. Is the life that you're living, is it worth living without God? I, I think I know the answer. It's not. It's not. But if you will be willing to put ego aside, Steve, to put, to put all our, our hurts and our mistakes and our past and the things that people's hurt us and just follow after the directive of, of get to that upper room, get to that place where the Holy Ghost and be poured out in us. Be willing. That's what I believe is the take-home message of this lesson in Lesson 3. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, that's all the time we have for this study today. I pray this was a blessing for you and that you will join us as we continue to study God's Word. Please follow us on our various platforms so you won't miss an episode of this exciting series. Goodbye, and thank you for listening.